Hello, this is Matt Murrow, I'm the worship pastor here at Glen Ellen Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, April 16th, 2023. Hello, I'm Alex Goff, and I serve as the campus pastor at Poplar Creek Church. Hi, I'm Simone Helpin, executive director of Naomi's House. And I'm John Vanderbilt, and I serve here at Glen Ellen Bible Church as the executive pastor. Thanks for tuning in to the Next Level Podcast. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Alex bringing the energy. Hey, <laughs> he's ready. He's ready in Kelly's go. seat today, so <laughs> big shoes to fill. Big shoes to fill. Big headphones you're wearing. As did well. you go through <laughs> Kelly's? Did you go through Kelly's normal morning routine? Gets up, eats like six raw eggs, goes and works out for his first of five workouts a day. You know? Didn't, no. <laughs> no. Check on your crop. Check on your crops. <laughs> <laughs> How often have you thought about your garden this morning? In- <laughs> um, whatever the opposite of a green thumb is, maybe a black thumb. Black that's thumb. what I've got. Yeah, yeah. We had to go out yesterday. Well, yeah, Jennifer did and, and covered stuff. Oh, just covered stuff. I just watched. Why I'm pretty sure I Kelly didn't go save anything. Uh, <laughs> I just watched. I was like, I hope you well, make we didn't. It. We didn't plant anything in the garden um, uh, that wouldn't make it f- through something like this. These we're talking about, just like the flowers That's and stuff that are yeah. coming to. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the stuff we have in our garden is will withstand this stuff. Okay, and see, so that wasn't even stuff. on my radar. I'm just like, oh, right. it's snowing. Cool. <laughs> pretty sure Kelly told me he planted stuff at the end of February. <laughs> He's so eager. I know, right? right. <laughs> Uh, big moment in the Brady house, though. Yeah. Andrew got engaged this, yesterday, Yay. which is really exciting. Cool. He would love to. I'm sure Kelly would love to celebrate that with us, but he's driving somebody to the airport this morning and mm-hmm. had to miss yeah. the podcast. But exciting times for them. Mm-hmm. All right, so we got we have a lot of questions. We do. So let's just go ahead and jump into them. So John, just for clarity here. John preached at Poplar yesterday. Uh-huh. And you led singing at Poplar yep, yesterday. Yep, I was up there. Obviously, Alex was there. Uh, Kelly preached here at 501. Kelly did write in some notes and stuff for some of these questions that pertain yeah. to his so uh, his sermon. So we'll do and our best. So, and Simone was here. Simone was here. In Glen Ellen. Yes. So, so all, all Glen Ellen questions. Yes. Nope. She's going to carry the weight. Wrong. Yes. You are the expert <laughs> this morning. And she took notes. She well, has already referenced notes, her notes. I mean, yeah. That she got out anything. her booklet. Yeah, I'll just Google it if you have a question. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, first up, in reference to going deeper, question number one, what do you mean by the American church? Are you referring to the evangelical churches, denominational churches, or all of the above? And could you give an example of the sin of pride in these churches or the American church? Mm-hmm. Good question. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do we have the question available to read? The going deeper question? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm sure it's on the website. To answer their question, I think we use the term American church basically to define anybody that would be following Jesus and that they live in the United States. Yeah. So just a general kind of group we're not talking about mainline churches or evangelical churches or, mm-hmm. um, you know, some specific denomination, all Bible churches. We're talking about the collective group of people, Christians, who know, follow Jesus in the United States. And they can be broken down then into mm-hmm. different denominations or different groups or, or whatever it is. But it's that just that collective. Yeah. The question is, considering Uzziah's sin of pride and demise as a king, what warning is there for the American church? Yeah. Yeah. So how do you guys see pride? In- well, do we also take into consideration when you say the American church, some cultural things that just apply to the demographic yeah. of where like, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part, we're not, you know, we're a wealthier nation. We have all the resources mm-hmm. kind of at our disposal. Right. Um, you can find a church yep. kind of anywhere in mm-hmm. any corner throughout. There's not like an unreached people group in the U S. Right. So mm-hmm. I think, is it helpful to kind of yeah. think, consider the cultural ramifications of the American church, not just yeah, sharing the same, uh, political authority on a macro level. Right, right. I mean, there's, there's some consistent things that the American church, Christians in America face. Yeah. And they it, might not all think the same on right, all the issues, right. but. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's important to make some of those distinctions because if we lived anywhere else, 
a mm. lot of those things would not be true. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. um, having a church experience in a country where you weren't allowed to have a Christian right. faith would drastically yes. change the Yeah, context. when we say things like the Chinese church, mm-hmm. when we say the American church and the Chinese church, well, there's a whole lot of things that come up when we say those yeah. things. It's very different to worship in a country that does not have a religious right. freedom versus right. our country, which does have religious freedom. Right, so, so. same gospel, drastically different context. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's good to point out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think the question, and, and I both, um, I, I was able to listen to like three-fourths of Kelly's <laughs> uh, sermon here at uh, Glen Ellen, um, but both he and I made, tried to contextualize Isaiah's messaging in light of the death of Uzziah and what had happened to him. And his pride, mm-hmm. basically, um, because of his success, which God gave him, it says in Chronicles that God gave him success in whatever he did when he was faithful to God and remembered God, mm-hmm. he goes into the Holy of Holies and lights incense. And basically what he's doing at that point is saying, oh, I'm king, but I'm also going to be the, the high priest. Mm-hmm. And there's only one king and high priest, and that's Jesus. And so he, that can hold both of those titles, right? So he went in to the Holy of Holies and did a priestly job. And it was this move of pride. Elevation of self. Yeah, exactly. Elevation of self and um, pride and power rather than submitting to God and saying, you are God and I am subservient to you and... So using that language of elevation of self, then, I mean, you can see pride all over the place in the American church, you know, yeah. um, talking about, you know, greed and just, uh, you, Simone, you talk about the American church and just overall tendencies being in a wealthier nation. I think as a country, we are more uh, tempted to store up treasures in heaven and um, think about, you know, what we want to do with our cash and our wallets and things like that. I also think, as I was reflecting on this question this morning, um, this isn't always the case, um, but sometimes I feel like people can come into the church saying, all right, feed me. This is all about me. I want my style of worship. I want my favorite speaker. I want my favorite experience. And then if I don't get that, I'm gone. Mm -hmm. And people, I've I've had to be on the other end of that when changes come like, oh, but I don't like this change. And then it's like, well, you're not necessarily here just for yourself. Right, right. Yeah, that consumeristic mm-hmm. kind of mindset. Yeah, yeah that I, probably does span most of our churches. And obviously, people are, have different, you know, cultural situations and stuff. But yeah. compared to other countries, yeah, we most of the American church has options. Yeah. Has, yeah. we consume things. We get products. Yeah. We we have choices. Yep. Um, and then obviously, the higher you move up the you know, the latter, you, the more choices you have, but right. usually we have a lot of choices. That's mm-hmm. a, a good, good word for like, you know, styles of worship and, yeah. and, and it's stuff not, like that. Like, yeah. It's not always a pride issue. Yeah. Like God may be calling you to go somewhere else or maybe you're not getting filled, but um, I, I think we'd be naive to say that, you know, pride isn't always a factor in, in those conversations, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kelly, um, well, yeah, from the front, I guess, uh, at our church, we do we do sometimes talk about the evangelical church. We do, yeah. and so I think when you um, when you when you hear the American church, uh, it it will mean that when it's specified that. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I think we usually do a pretty good job of saying churches of our kind right, or churches right, of right. Our, our ilk yes. is what you'll hear Kelly say. Yes, yes, <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, like uh, yeah, yeah. I think we'll specify that. Go ahead. I was good. Church conflict. When there's church conflict, um, you know, Proverbs thirteen ten says, "Where there is strife, there is pride." Yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of times when you go and dig into the root of conflict uh, within a church, a lot of times <laughs> pride is what's motivating it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this made the list. I'm looking. Um, disagreement. Well, you said conflict, but disagreement over specific theologies or doctrine. I feel like mm. there's a lot of um, pride in people really wanting to be right about something that maybe isn't an, um, like an essential issue of yeah. our church tradition. I think that tends to 
infiltrate churches in a negative way sometimes mm-hmm. as opposed to being open to learning something new. Yeah. Yeah. Or just holding your position loosely. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, or I mean, even, hold, I, even holding it firmly and yet being able to not be angry about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I think that's what right. That's saying. what I was trying right. to say. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, like, I mean, there's some things you can hold loosely and there's some things. Totally. Yeah. You, yeah. Agreed. Yep. But yeah, I mean, there's some, there's, there are some theological topics that I know I don't know that are, for me, that are 100% certain. Yeah. Like when Jesus is coming back. Do you know that? (laughs) Well, I wasn't going to say anything. (laughs) You weren't going to start naming them. No, but like, you know, we should all be quick to say, you know what, this is just what I think. Mm -hmm. It's not what I know. You know, here's why I think that. Here's some, here's some verses. That makes people so nervous, Matt. Yeah. But... I said yeah. something that I've never said before from the front, from the front preaching. I don't know if you caught it, Alex, you were there, but I said, um, if I, and oh, Matt, you, and you were there listening too. If you I, tell me I wasn't there. if I thought that I had this all figured out and could communicate clearly to you all on how the Trinity works, I would be, yeah. I'd be arrogant. Like <laughs> I raised something a theological topic and said, I don't know how mm. this actually fully works itself out Yeah, to be one person, mm-hmm. to be one God in three persons and three persons in one God and the understanding of how that all works and how that it's, it's too big for my mind. Yeah. I appreciated it though in that moment, because I think there's a tendency from the platform to uh, promote yourself as yeah, you know, I've got, I'm the expert. I got it all figured out. And, yeah, and I'm a leader, and you can trust me. And yeah. even taking that step of humility can be scary sometimes. But it's it's totally relatable because everybody out in the congregation is like, "Yeah, you're yeah. right. This is super right. complex." You may find yourself in a in an argument or a debate with somebody from another religion who's saying, "I, I can't be Christian because I'm not polytheistic." Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean right. that's a that's yeah. a major sticking point oh, yeah. for. Uh, other some other religions mm-hmm. like they're just like hey no God is one right one God there's only one and, and Christians claim that there's three right. and you you may have to go to that conversation but at the same time it's like well I right. I can't explain how that's possible I can just show you right where it is because right. it's all over the scriptures Old that's Testament good. and New Testament so yeah um, okay next one what do you think is meant by unclean lips? Is that a literal or metaphorical description? <laughs> it's con- it's a little uh, confusing, right? I mean, we don't usually... Con- it's literal and your mom needs to dip yeah. uh, a napkin <laughs> at dinner into your water glass and then wipe your face. No, kidding. Or didn't or didn't you just out, love when she used to do that? Like- get out the bar of soap and wash your mouth out with soap. <laughs> I've never experienced that. <laughs> Oh, I totally had that happen to me as a kid. I, I, multiple times. I got when I, was a I got the soap treatment multiple times. Oh, a, have you ever done a, it? D- a different era. Oh. No, never done you it. Didn't, you didn't pull that one. No, in the archives have, when you were the funny, little kids. The funniest. Well, man. So my little brother had it happen to most of the most of any of the Vanderveld children. It was him. <laughs> Well, my mom, at one point, he went into the bathroom and there was not like, she could not find a bar of soap. And all it was was like the foamy liquid Ew. like dial. Oh. <laughs> and you can, you can hear in the bathroom like this. They're <laughs> <laughs> just crying. Yeah. That's so funny. Oh, I, we don't recommend that kind of treatment. <laughs> no, after you get the soap treatment, you don't want to, yeah. you don't want to spread that to your kids. Oh. All right. So what, what did, what yeah. is meant here? I think it's, it's, it's both. I think, um, literal and metaphorical. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. it's a way of, um, Isaiah saying really specifically, my mouth has been unclean. He's so he's, he's having a vision and he's in, he's brought into this place and all he hears is holiness. Mm-hmm. So he's hearing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. He's almighty. You know, he's in this only holiness is present. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the words he's hearing ringing in his, his, his ears and in his head are this holiness. Well, I think he's, he's normal, just like any of all of us to say, I can't utter those words. No. My lips are so unclean. The things that... 
that I literally just talked about before I was brought into this place were so ungodly. So mm-hmm. even, even if they weren't evil or sinful, they were common, which is the opposite of holy. Like they were unclean, like normal and just ugh, like my worldly behavior and the stuff I think about and talk about. And it's just not holy. How could I utter anything in this moment? I mean, the first, um, so you would describe literal as unclean speech. Yeah. 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 Which not not like a muddy mouth. No, no, no. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Unclean speech. Gotcha. Yeah. Not like a dirty mouth. Like he's just ate, you know, broccoli or something and it's stuck in his teeth. (laughs) But like an actual, you know, and that uh, the what comes out of your mouth comes from your heart. Yes, well, it, you know. So there's a there's the figurative part of it, right? The metaphorical part of it, which is like the unclean lips. And he's saying, you know, I've unclean lips. My words are unclean. Is pointing to something deeper. Metaphorically, mm-hmm. all of me is unclean because my heart is unclean. My mind is unclean. Mm-hmm. And it all manifests itself when it comes out of my mouth as uncleanliness in this room that is only Holy. holiness. Holy. Luke six forty three through 45, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruits. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. So Luke's talking about the heart. Jesus is here. And then in the next verse, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That's that connection you're Mm -hmm. talking about. Yeah. So I do think he didn't say nice things. Yeah. (laughs) He said unholy things. Yeah. But I think it was also speaking to his heart. His heart. He might have been struck by what he just said earlier that day totally five minutes before five seconds before like and he says which he says um i just want to make sure i quote it the the right way and i live among a people of unclean lips so he's he's confessing he says i am ruined so he thinks he he thinks he's gonna die Mm-hmm. Yep. He, he's faced with the holiness of God and he sees the King, Christ, who is God <laughs> in this moment, in this incredibly powerful way. And he says, I am ruined. Mm. I can't even function anymore. I, I should be dead. And then he says, you know, my lips are unclean. So he's, there's a confession, this confessional aspects, but then he's, I live amongst the people mm-hmm. who have unclean lips. We are all, it's a collective at that moment. We're all unclean in our hearts. We all have wandered away. This, this nation of, of Judah that he's mm-hmm. going to prophesy to. Yeah. One of the things that you said yesterday that I appreciated was that we have a tendency to, um, I don't remember the language you use, underestimate, undervalue God's holiness. Yeah. Um, and even talking about that and the fact that Isaiah took responsibility for the sins of his people. Yeah. You know, talking about having unclean speech and unclean hearts, that's... Um, the more you dive into just how holy God is, the more you recognize just how messed up your heart and your speech is, especially mm-hmm. if you're taking account of the people around you too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for Isaiah to go and deliver the prophetic words that he's about to deliver over the next 60 chapters <laughs> of the book, he needs to come face to face with who he is in his sinfulness and be atoned for that as well as recognition of his people and their un, their uncleanliness as well, the collective. So is he taking nation. is he taking responsibility for the sins of his people? Like, is he being? I think he's not taking full responsibility. I mean, it's not one man, mm-hmm. right, as a representation for yeah. the nation. But I think he's saying, I am I am a part of it. God God was calling him out, atoning him, and then giving him a a, a commission. Right. So there's a calling. Mm-hmm. To Isaiah, I'm giving you this vision. I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to atone you. And then I'm going to commission you. Mm-hmm. And I think that process, in that process, he needed to come face to face with Recognize. the fact that he was yeah. amongst these people as well. Mm-hmm. So, Which is going to impact that commissioning and calling. Correct. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I just love that everything, everything came, became crystal clear mm-hmm. in God's presence. Yeah. You know? It was like it was like yesterday when I was uh, 
uh, I have like this foot pedal thing that I use and because of the glare in the room, it's different than here. And I just couldn't see the screen. Mm-hmm. Couldn't see it. It's because you're 45. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to be 47 in a couple weeks. Oh, you're 46? Yeah. I didn't know that. Anyway, <laughs> I'm 42. So you look good then, for 31. <laughs> <laughs> so On clean lips. I, yeah, right. So I just realized yesterday for the first time, I've had this amp for like five years. There's a contrast button on it. <laughs> I had no clue. It's this big black knob sticking out the side of it. I'm like, what's this? Oh, it says contrast on it. And then you turn the contrast and then boom, it all comes to clarity. It's like, nice. oh, I can see it now. It's like yeah. that was <laughs> that was Isaiah's, Isaiah's moment. contrast knob. Just God was like, whoop. And I love that he's not only aware of his own sin uh, and his own unholiness, but everybody else's. Right. Like, we're man, a mess. Right. Yeah. Yep. And I, I think I, I love that you talked about uh, John showed a picture of uh, sh- the shirt from, was it from the 90s? Yeah. Jesus is my homeboy, that idea. And I get it. God came in the form of Jesus and he did come to be with us and he did come to, to be, our, be friend. our friend. Yeah. Yes, that is true. Um, but you have to hold that at the same time as you hold his holiness and right. the father's holiness right. and, and the spirit's holiness. And, right. and it's just a different thing, man. Right. Gosh, without Jesus by our side, when we meet God, that this is what it's going to be like. Yeah, it's not going to be this like, oh God, you're right there. Oh, this is so cool. Like, no, yeah. like right. you're you're going to be aware of what you've done, who you are, right, and how f- short you fall. Right. There's a really great video by the Bible Project called Holiness. You just search Bible Project yeah, Holiness, yeah, yeah. and it, it. I think they use the sun mm-hmm. as an illustration of God's holiness. That it's this powerful, life-giving, amazing thing that the closer you get to, the more dangerous it is. And if you're wrestling with, you know, okay, what is it? What are we talking about with God's holiness? And you're just struggling with that concept. I'd recommend watching that video. It does a really good job of, uh, it also talks about Isaiah 6 as well. So I think the last thing, because I don't want to sound too harsh on it, but like, it it doesn't matter. Like, obviously, if you've made good moral decisions in your life, there's consequences and good, good, good and bad and, you know, whatever. But like every single person will have that same reaction. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what kind of life you lived right. and how good you think you were or right. everyone will have that reaction. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I love that. I love that, that Jesus comes and, and says, no, no, you're, you're going to be good because of me, not because of you. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, All right, uh, next one. Isaiah's commission is really discouraging. Preaching to a people that won't hear until only a tenth of the nation is left in the land. Seems harsh. Isn't that harsh? Hmm. Anyone? (laughs) Simone. Yes. (laughs) It is harsh. I think there is some truth to that. God's judgment doesn't... It's... it's, God's judgment is just in and of itself. So Mm -hmm. it's not it feels harsh to us because we don't understand perfect judgment. Right. But there is a level of severe warning to, mm-hmm. to take note. Mm-hmm. And real, real pain mm-hmm. and real death because of sin, mm-hmm. the forsaking of God, the breaking of the covenant and the moving to worship other gods and pride and all that has a real consequence mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and God's judgment is perfect. And, I don't, you know, we don't, Kelly especially does not like the word harsh to describe God because his character is perfect and he's always loving. And I, I would, I would agree um, to that, but at the same time, it can feel Mm -hmm. harsh, right? Um, Not that he is, but the feeling of um, how can an all loving God do X Mm -hmm. or whatever, um, Shouldn't he just give us another chance? You know, kind of a, a yeah. feeling. Um, if, if you were to ask somebody just walking on the street in like downtown Chicago, what's the what's the goal of um, humanity? What's you know what's what's the purpose uh, in existing? You get a lot of answers, um, but there's this thing called the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Yeah, it says the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy, enjoy Him, him forever. forever. That's why we are here is to glorify God. And what the story of Isaiah tells me is that he was in a season 
the way to glorify God was by being a prophet and preaching to people that wouldn't hear. That's, that's how he glorified God in the season of life that he was in. And what's, what's tough being, you know, we've already talked a little bit about American culture. Uh, success is elevated. And if I'm not successful, if I'm not seeing results, then I must be doing something wrong. Um, but the chief end of man is not to gain success. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so what that meant for Isaiah was that you're going to glorify God and not experience a lot of success. Mm. I remember a, a sermon when uh, my undergrad, a guy came up and spoke and he said, um, would you stay in ministry if you never experienced success, but you were faithful? Yeah. And I was like, man, that's tough. That's hard. But glorifying God means that, yeah, sometimes you'll see beautiful, amazing things happen. And, and sometimes maybe God's placing you in a season like Isaiah where you're called to glorify him and, and you may not see a lot of fruit from that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. do you agree with that? <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to wrestle through. Um, if you see no fruit, what does that mean? That's, that's a good point. Because um, it could be you're doing something wrong. And- right. And I would, um, so I would caution against a arrogance in our faithfulness. Exactly. But pride. Yeah. And um, I think there's many in ministry and on the mission field and other places that need to be start to start asking themselves hard questions. Mm-hmm. Am I actually doing what is most effective or am I arrogant in my, well, I'm faithful, even if I don't, even if nobody comes, even if the church doesn't grow, even if this, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I do think that there are people that can be faithful and continue to work and see very little fruit um, and be right on track. Mm-hmm. But I do think that we need to consistently- that's, that's a word of warning. Yeah, I think we consistently need to have be checking ourselves against God's word, mm-hmm. be in God's word, be in prayer, um, and then also have other people in our lives so that we're not just making these one-on-one mm. mm-hmm. kind of decisions on things, that we have other people. Perspective. Yeah, perspective and coaching and, you know. And the guy that spoke was a missionary overseas. And yeah. I think that, that played a role in it as well. Oh, sure. He was in uh, the UK. Right. And so there it was just, mm-hmm. you know, every day going out and having conversations. And You're right. There's, um, there's a sense, too, of like we like to associate ourselves with, you know, well, I'm just like, mm-hmm. you know, Isaiah. And they're like, no. <laughs> Isaiah was very unique. Unique <laughs> calling, unique time, unique place. Let's be I don't careful. Want to parallel myself to Isaiah. Yeah. <laughs> I I think is it safe to say that there's probably still some beautiful fruit that took place in this time? Like we're looking at a very specific time on the grand kingdom calendar and yeah. um, since you weren't here here at this location, do you be where, where are we? Hillside, what do you yeah, call it? Yeah. The um past 501 is what the cool kids okay, say. Okay, 501. I'm not mm-hmm. good with numbers. Um, <laughs> the, um, it wasn't a, maybe it was a pastoral prayer. I'm getting all the names wrong. A man prayed Mark, over the congregation. Mark Tucker. <laughs> yeah. He did. It was, did you see it when you? Yeah, I did. So it was a really good analogy of remembering the end. And f- it feels like we can get really discouraged in this one timeline, this time frame, and the yeah. greater scheme of all of God's intention. And so first I would say, I would hope that there is still some fruit in, we know there is, in some of Isaiah's, under his leadership. And so, although it feels the word harsh in the question is what is what this person's referring to, it does take a bit of study to kind of zoom out a little bit and say, well, there was still some evidence of God's working, number one. And number two, it's not the end of the story. If God were harsh, he wouldn't have sent Jesus to atone for yeah. all of man's mm-hmm. sin, for all you know, any, for anyone to receive. So, um, I, you know, it just kind of helps keep that pride, that perspective. And it was such a great setup yesterday in terms of that pastoral prayer of remembering, Mm -hmm. we do know how this ends. Um, and the Holy seed, 
the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. And not to be discouraged by pieces of it that if we just zoom in on the only one tenth remain in the land, that that does feel discouraging. That doesn't feel very hopeful, but that's mm-hmm. just not the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say something that's not very popular. Um, God God is, God is in much more control of everything than most of us are comfortable admitting. Mm -hmm. Like I, you know, when we're talking about, is this harsh? Is that, you know, man, getting to know the character of God revealed in the Bible, Deuteronomy 32. See now, this is God speaking. See now that I myself am he, there is no God besides me. I put to death and I bring life. Mm. I have wounded and I will heal and no one can deliver out of my hand. There's another uh, proverb, I can't remember what verse, Proverbs. uh, um, I have made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Mm -hmm. Like God is, God is in control. And you know, we can, we can have different debates on how much of that control and where, you know, a person's will comes in and all that. But at the end of the day, scripture is pretty clear um, from what I'm reading, like God is in control of all of it, of life, of death, of wounding, of being healed, all of it. Mm. And the good news is he's holy. Mm. <laughs> like, and to come back around to God's holiness, like you wouldn't want anyone in control of all of that unless they were 100% inside and out good and right. holy right. and not like us. And, and so he desires man, all people to be saved and yeah. he's working, sending people like Isaiah's to Yep. And so we can we can read that this account and be like, Man, that's harsh. Like, geez, that's kind of doom and gloom, and he's gonna go out and man, barely any of Israel left. And but man, God is he's got it. He's in control of it. And in fact, he brings death and brings life. Mm-hmm. He does it. And mm-hmm. so it's it's tough to wrap our minds around when it hits especially when it hits close to home. Yeah. Why this? Why that? Why am I still suffering? Why am I still going through this? Yeah. But man, knowing that God's holiness is in play uh, for me is a comfort. Good word. Um, <clears throat> all right, next one. I am trusting in Jesus for salvation, but I struggle with guilt over past sins. I love that Isaiah's guilt was taken away. How can I experience that? That's good. Um, the baggage that we all carry <laughs> of of guilt and sin, uh, guilt and shame from our sin, is um, is incredibly common, right? Like mm-hmm. that feeling. Like, I just want this person to know, like, you aren't isolated, alone, even though you've come to Christ and you've felt freedom and saving and all of that, that there aren't moments where you have deep regret or guilt or shame because of past sins and failures, even knowing full well that God has, has taken all, all of that on. That is a part of the fallen world that we live in because as much as sin has been canceled in Christ, we still live on the other side of, That's a good point. of heaven. So, you know, there's a, a veil dividing us still. And, um, and so care, feeling that is, uh, is a normal part of the Christian walk, mm-hmm. that it's not, um, you're not strange, you're not, um, you know, unique in that. And, and if you reach out to other believers, you're not going to find that you're alone in that. Yeah, right, yeah. right. And, and that's, you know, the, the verses that, you know, we bear each other's burdens. We continue to mm-hmm. c- care for one another. You're going to make, you're going to continue to sin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the, I think the key is, is that we continually bring, bring that to Christ. Because Christ wants, wants us to experience as much uh, freedom as we can experience. Yeah. So bringing those burdens to Christian community, bringing them to Christ, asking for a renewing of your mind, right? So mm-hmm. that those memories don't keep coming back. Um, I think there's people that can help you, professionals that can help you, depending on what you have gone through, what you're wrestling with, the mistakes that you've made, the sins that you've committed or 
you know, sins of commission or omission. Mm-hmm. Um, there can be lots of people that can help you, professional Christians, counselors and things that can help walk you through some of that um, as well. Um, but knowing that God doesn't, God isn't a God that wants to kind of keep a tally on you. Mm-hmm. Or live under our guilt. Yeah. Yeah. So he's not going, oh, I'm going to take care of all that, but I, I kind of want you to still feel a little stink, you know? Yeah. It, it's a, like a parent when they, with their kid. That's, you know, we want the, our kids to kind of remember some of those, uh, you know, some of those things. So they don't do them again. That's not how God works. Um, yeah. I think the practice of, of meditation is also helpful with things like this. Second uh, Corinthians ten five says, "Take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ." And so, when those um, thoughts of guilt and shame come up, meditation sounds a yeah, little no, like you mean, Eastern yeah. uh, mysticism. But really, like meditation is just chewing on God's word. And so, what I've found helpful for me, because this is something that I've had to deal with quite a bit, just shame and guilt over my past, um, is meditating on verses like First John one nine. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So if like for me, what I've done with this passage before um, and meditating on it is that I just say it over and over and over as I go about my day. Um, And I have to say it out loud because I I can become unfocused if I'm not like verbally saying out loud. But the more you say it, uh, the more it begins to work down deep into your soul that no, God is faithful and he, he has forgiven me. And the more you begin to believe it just by repeating that verse over and over. Uh, and I also think it's just important to remember too, um, that there's an enemy that, you know, God doesn't want us to live, mm-hmm. live under guilt and shame. Um, but you know, verses like revelation twelve ten, um, Satan is referred to as an accuser of our brothers and yeah. sisters. That's, that's something that he wants us to live under. And that's why things like meditation and community are so important. Mm-hmm. It's especially difficult if you come to Christ later in life. Yeah. At least it was for me. Mm-hmm. Like, in what ways? Um, you have more, like if, you know, if you came to Christ at five or six, you may not have this massive portion of life that you see as pre-Christ and post-Christ. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You have more baggage. <laughs> There's more, more baggage. That's one way to say it. All right. Um, and then also you're older, so you process those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, that guilt is heavy. Mm-hmm. It can be heavy mm-hmm. and it will hold you back. It yeah. will, um, make, it will, uh, enable you to see Christ less clearly. Mm-hmm. It will, it will do those things. I think Satan, I think you're spot on. I think Satan loves that. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you know, yeah, you, you may have been saved by Christ, but you're still carrying around this baggage and you're still just, you're not experiencing the fullness in freedom that God has for you. And Satan loves that, yeah. right? Like he, he's not going to just give up because, well, you accepted Jesus and now you're God. Like he's still going to work on you and mm-hmm. his schemes are still at play in the world. So, um, mm-hmm. man, it is tough. I, I, what you were saying about meditation spot on and also worship and music. That's good. Um, God's designed us to interact with music in really unique ways. There's all kinds of studies mm-hmm. on it, right? Um, you hear all kinds of stories about, um, how people that who have serious illnesses, mm-hmm. how music can just sort of mm-hmm. help out, mm-hmm. and um, and this is one of those ways. Um, worship me when you're singing God's word. Something unique happens that's just different than when you're reading it, um, when you're meditating on it. Um, and so, that could be one way that that God wants yeah. you to. Um, and like meditation, you're verbally r- repeating truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And John said this already, but I would just encourage and reiterate the um, the resources and getting professional help. You know, like like what you're talking about, especially if you you can identify whether we call it baggage or sins or the question asks specifically about guilt, yeah. and you can't shake it. You know, yeah. there are professionals who just like if you had a cold that wouldn't go away, yeah. you would eventually go to a doctor yeah. and say, "I've tried everything." Um, there's a lot of um, healing that comes from the word of God while doing it alongside, you know, a professional Mm -hmm. therapist. So absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that could be there for a really good reason. Mm -hmm. Like it's still Mm -hmm. there because for that reason, for going to a, Hey, you need to go to a therapist. They need to kind of, you need to talk through this and you'll find healing. Is there still a a stigma around going to therapy? 
I don't know if there. I know there used I don't to be. Think so. You don't think so? I don't. I think. In, I mean, there's a little bit of. There can be. In, yeah, depending on kind of your background, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there are some people that still have a hard time doing doing that, and and I would. I mean, I would offer this. the The pastoral staff is not professional trained counselors in the aspect that you're talking clinically, about. Clinically, you're speaking. Yeah, yeah clinically, but, but trained. coming in yes. and saying, hey, I'm I'm wrestling with this. Mm-hmm. Would you pray over me? I mean, we hear yeah, confession so yeah. all the time yeah. and we hear um, and want to help walk people out of the woods in mm-hmm. in a way that we can as a as pastoral mm-hmm. staff. And we all have experience and some training in it, not at the clinical level. So if that's but that's mm-hmm. a great first step for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I think the answer is yes to all of it. Right? Yeah, right. There's so many, there's not like a one size fits right. all when it comes to sanctification. There's, there's value and wisdom in pursuing lots of different resources. Mm-hmm. Just to name a few. There's one, there's a verse that was coming to mind when you all were talking. It's Galatians 5.1. It says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Mm. And I think what Paul is talking about there yep. is the law is this checklist of did you do it or did you not, and how and a uh, something that that the that God gave the people of Israel to, to see where they had fallen short, and I think that's what Paul is talking about. Not that the law does not have value and that the law is good. Yep. But we become a slave to it yeah. when we don't realize the freedom that's come in Christ, and we constantly want to keep this tally: yeah. did we yep. do it? Did we not? Are we? Did we fall short? Yes. And, and we can, get, we can get, become a slave to that mindset. And so what Paul is saying here is Christ has set you free from that. Make sure that you stay free. Yeah. And I think that's a little bit of what we're talking about. Right. Not in our own power that we, you know, we're going to stay free. <laughs> but we don't, we don't go back there in our minds. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? If, if we don't have to, and we look for others to help us, and we stay in the word. and Yeah. So I love that. before we go to the final question, I think there's, there's one last little component to this, at least that I, I know of personally that there's uh, for maybe a small percentage of people listening who this, this may be, um, this may be applicable, but uh, there is like a, like a, well, you don't know, you don't know what I've done. Like my oh, sin, sure. my, my sin far outweighs anybody. God couldn't possibly like the the blood of Christ couldn't possibly cover this too, yeah. Kind of thing. Almost, it's this twisted, weird, prideful yeah. kind of thing. It's weird to think about somebody like I'm the biggest sinner. Like, but there is a part of that where you're just. It's almost like an unbelief. Yeah. Like, yeah, but you may have done those things, but I did these things. Right. And these things, maybe some of them could be covered, but not possibly all of them. Like, so anyway, uh, yes. Those are covered. <laughs> yeah, too. Those are covered too. <laughs> those are covered too. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, okay, last one. Uh, why is atonement needed? Can't God simply overlook our sin? And after all, He's God. Well, it's a good thing we saved the easy one for last. <laughs> <laughs> why is it needed? Um, I don't. I don't know that we could answer why is it needed, but it's it's been put in play. Yeah. Since. Since the beginning of Israel, since yeah, since the creation of the world, that's that's how God, that's how He showed us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think th- there are some interesting studies you can do on like blood and mm-hmm. what it symbolizes, both metaphorically and literally, and, and why um, there's such a deep connection between blood mm-hmm. and atonement and all of that. You can research that, but yeah, uh, for me, it's. It's how God has presented it. Right. It's it's how God has done. Yeah. I would go back to something that you said earlier about um, how, how in control God is in our, in our world and how purely holy he is. And so if that is true of God, right, that he is, he is the definition of, of holiness. He is only pure and holy and he is sovereign over all things and he wants to love us, free us, mm-hmm. save us. Well, we need him to be that, right? To be purely holy. That's the, the God that we trust for everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Creating and taking and all that. Well, an only holy God who wants a relationship with us, who are 
unholy, there needs to be a mechanism, right, for us to interact with, for us to be a part of, for us to be in God's presence. And that transaction is the, what we call atonement. Mm-hmm. That because of our fallenness, our brokenness, our sinfulness, our uncleanness, something needs to happen in order for us to be made clean so that we can be with God in his presence, in his family. Um, in the Old Testament, they, the ways of atonement were via the law, a sacrificial system. It's the book of Leviticus. Yeah, yep. and we covered a ton of that in the Deuteronomy series. We see a picture, a unique picture of atonement that we don't see really anywhere else in scripture for Isaiah, where Isaiah is atoned by Christ in the throne room of heaven through this coal that's placed on his lips. And that's a picture of burning away the, the sin, the uncleanness yeah. of Isaiah. And this is this atonement that's made so that Isaiah can be in the presence of only holiness. Mm-hmm. Are, you tr- are you guys tracking? Yeah. So then we continue, we continue on and, and God says, okay, the sacrificial system is, is no longer needed because of Christ. Christ is now going to be the one when we put our hope, faith, and trust in my son who has condescended, lived a perfect and sinless, perfect, holy and sinless life. He is now going to be the sacrifice of all sacrifices, the final sacrifice in the pattern that God had created for through the, through the law. Yeah. And in consistency with who he is for Isaiah, the burning away, the cleansing that needs to take place. And so that's the why, (laughs) and that's how it works. Why Why God can't just simply overlook things is a really difficult question to wrestle with. And I would say because it's, because of everything I just talked about, that's who he is. That's that's how he's created it. That's a, there's a beauty in, in that. Um, it goes back to what we talked about earlier with undervaluing the holiness of God. Like our sins aren't done in a vacuum. Like they are against a holy God. And so simply overlooking uh, it um, is a misunderstanding, mm-hmm. you know, talking about what our sin is um, and who God is as this holy, as this holy God, um, you have to have atonement. Right. God wouldn't remain holy in the way that he needs to be remaining holy if he were just to overlook. Mm-hmm. He, it needs to be dealt with. The sin needs to be burnt away. It needs to be covered by the blood. Mm-hmm. in order for it to be taken away and for us to truly be made holy so that we can dwell with him for eternity. It can't simply be swept under the rug because once it is dealt with, once we come to Christ, put our, our faith in him through the Holy Spirit, it's as if it never happened. Mm-hmm. That's where that freedom comes into play. That's where the freedom comes in play. That's mm-hmm. where it's quote unquote overlooked. It wasn't over, it isn't overlooked. It's forgotten. It's far as the East is from the West. Paid. Yeah. Paid. And that's the beauty of, of Christ. And, you know, he called it, the, this is the new covenant, right? So you've had thousands of years of Israel having these laws in order to just be in God's presence, in order yeah. to be with God. They had, you know, they had a ton of laws. Some of them were for just their own civil good, but some of them were just to, to be with God because God's holy and they weren't. And so they would have to sacrifice. And this went on for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then finally Christ comes and says, I am the new covenant. In other words, there was an old covenant, right. but I am the new covenant mm-hmm. everlasting. And this is it. This is, this is all, this mm-hmm. is, this is final. Um, this, this question actually caused me to kind of go down a little bit of a rabbit hole this morning, but nice. I didn't realize uh, the word atonement, not in the new Testament uh, in the ESV and the KJV, mm-hmm. and it's all over in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Instead, uh, the Greek translators used a bunch of different Greek words to try to talk about Christ covering sins mm-hmm. without using the Hebrew word for atonement 
um, because it they didn't see it as full enough. Right. Mm. They didn't. It, it didn't quite cover it. Right. It didn't quite. You know. The word in Isaiah for atonement is very transactional. Yeah. Right. Versus a more than just transactional. Yes. Transformational. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, that's like, fascinating. Wow. Like they intentionally could, you know, couldn't come up with one word mm-hmm. that can just encompass what Christ did. So they use a whole bunch of different ones, mm-hmm. but, but are careful not to use uh, the word that atonement. Yeah. So you referenced this verse, but I, I just want to read it because um, I think for all these questions about guilt and shame and uh, atonement and things like that, it, perf- it captures it perfectly. Psalm 103, uh, starting in verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Yeah. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Good stuff today, guys. Yeah. I'm excited about this series. Are you? Oh yeah, that's good. Good. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm ex. I'm. You're I'm not. Ex- you're not excited. No. I- <laughs> he threw the preaching team out <laughs> of the totally. bus. I did. He's I like threw the preaching team was like, oh, I <laughs> we're lying to ourselves if we don't think that that <laughs> was. <laughs> our yeah, it kind of was. Kind of was. <laughs> there was. So I told a story of that Kelly. So Kelly leads the our teaching team, and there's a group of you know, five five of us, and uh, Kelly said, guys, I really want to cover. Isaiah and we were kind of like <laughs> <laughs> no one said no but there no, was I, like a oof yeah. because it's, it's huge heavy. Mm-hmm. and it's I, huge. I, mm-hmm. I keep calling it an onion because mm-hmm. you peel back a layer and you peel back another layer and you peel John, back another layer this is and, life and you it, it is I mean you but it's it's amazing I mean even in someone said to me on on Sunday I knew you weren't going to get past verse six because mm-hmm. you just can't get past mm-hmm. yeah. that first part of Isaiah it's so right yeah the words that Isaiah are using are applying then, but then those exact words are quoted in the New Testament to talk about an entire different group of people who are following Christ. Yeah. The, the, the judgment on them, it comes from Isaiah. And it's just this, it's, the book has such yeah. huge magnitude, but it's so crucial for us understanding the faithfulness and goodness of God. And I think we, we miss, if we don't wrestle with Isaiah and think about it and how it works and how we apply it, then I think we're missing a piece of the, the puzzle, if that's the right word for it. Of, mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. So, all right. Well, that's all the questions we have for you today. If you have any further questions or comments or concerns, don't hesitate. Text Next Level Podcast 6307-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also just general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that scripture is a primary means for our getting to know Him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thanks for joining us, and thank you listeners for tuning in to the next level. prophecy.